Last week, Doug was talking about stewardship to a degree, and this is sort of, I think we're doing a couple of sermons, sort of, on stewardship. This is not, in some churches, um, they spend a lot of time on this, and it's like over a month, maybe. I one time heard a, a teacher here years ago, Trent Humphreys, who had a very large Sunday school class, he commented, he said, they bring in consultants, and, they, and, they, and he says, you know, don't whip them this way, whip them this way, you know, to get more money. Uh, that's a joke, if you knew Trent, that was some years ago. Um, so this is not about whipping, you know, nobody enjoys that, um, but more a recognition that all that we have is from God. And, and all that he has given us, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So in the staff, we will be mailing out cards this week to you, and we're asking that you return them on December 4th um, so we can plan the budget for next year. And we're, we're asking you just to pray about it. You know, no whipping, you know, no 39 lashes or any of that kind of stuff. Just pray about it and ask the Lord what he would have, what he would have you do. Um, this is not about guilt, although I've been in places where it was about guilt. This is not about twisting your arm, but for you to, to just pray about what the Lord would have you do. My brother is a pastor, a Methodist pastor at First Coppell. He's a senior pastor. And um, Tom did very well in school and that kind of thing and was valedictorian and all that kind of stuff. And my father had different plans for my brother than God did. And my brother felt called to the ministry since he's, you know, senior pastor at First Coppell. And that was kind of a joke. Y'all need to wake up. <laughs> um, so, but the day came that my brother needed to tell my father that because my dad had other plans. And my father, uh, I think it is fair, trying to be diplomatic, you know, third child, trying to be diplomatic here. But my father was not um, always diplomatic. And so, and sometimes the language got spicy, you know what I mean? So, anyway, uh, when my brother, when Tommy was saying, you know, this is really what I think I'm supposed to do, I really, and I've really prayed about this, I don't think I can do anything else. Not that he wasn't gifted, but he felt like the calling was so strong, you know, how could he possibly do anything else? And he said, my, my dad finally looked across the table to, at him and just said, well, okay, but do not be one of those money-grubbing preachers, you know. And, and so my brother was kind of like, okay. And, it was, and, and then he commented later that it was hard for him to ever talk about stewardship, in part because my dad had basically, oh, put a curse on him. Kind of kidding. Not exactly. And that, and that it was a layman in the church. I think he was, it was when he was at Prosper United Methodist Church, the, the finance guy, stewardship guy, said, look, you got you to gotta talk about stewardship. And so he did, but he was very aware of not manipulating people, that it, that it is something that, that God speaks to us about. Um, we ask God. This is an important year for this church. Transition is never easy. And we've been in a transition with CCA, and that has not been easy for them, and it's not been easy for us. It's not been easy. And sometimes when there is transition, we're all aware that there can also be spiritual battles as well. And, and so just continuing to pray over this time and over this season, God's best for them. But also God's best for this church as, as we move on to 
be what God has called us to be in this community and in this place and time. Just recently, I think, we talked about the widow's might and how Jesus was uh, looking at, you know, noticed her in the temple and how she was giving everything. It was just two very small coins, but for her it was everything. And I'm not trying to say we give everything, but I do think there is sort of, is it the same type of sacrifice? You know, I could write a pretty okay check, but it wouldn't be everything. And I'm not saying that that's what God calls us to do, but do we see it as a sacrificial thing? Do we see it in that way? So I just encourage you to think about it. The tenet, one of the tenets of Scripture is in giving. And in giving, as we serve, as, as we pour out our lives, there is also a blessing from God. And we don't give to get. We don't give to get. But it's the heart of God to give. He sent Jesus as a baby who would grow up and go to a cross so that we could be in a relationship with him. I mean, he gave everything. So I just encourage you, uh, Luke six thirty eight is a, a passage of scripture. In fact, I, I was really trying to you know, way, what do we use as the scripture and stuff? And, there, and there's the, the passage that we read from 2 Corinthians. Some of you guys are not going to get that. 2 Corinthians 9. I'm doing that for Greg. Um, although that's how they say it in Europe, just saying. So I'm trying to be European here. Um, the passage in, in 2 Corinthians, or there's stuff in Luke, and there's in, in Exodus there's excellent stuff. And, and the whole point is how God blesses us. How he blesses us. And we don't do it just to receive the blessing, but as you love your children, you want to bless them, right? It's not about what they do or don't do. Well, sometimes it may be. But, you know, when you have a child, you love that kid, and they haven't done much except maybe cry and tell you they're hungry, you know? God loves us. He loves his children. And, and as we're a part of giving, it, it, to me, it just opens up what he's wanting to do through us. So I just encourage you to think about that. Luke 6, 38. Let me see if I can find it quickly. It's a passage that I first found reading some of the writings of Catherine Marshall, who died a long time ago, but uh, before some of you were born, just saying. But uh, it's in a passage in the Sermon on the Mount in Luke, where he's kind of doing the sort of the Beatitudes and stuff like that. He talks about don't judge, and he talks about don't condemn, forgive. And then he says, Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And that was kind of a very famous saying among Jewish people at the marketplace or that type of thing. So he was speaking in a way that they would understand. Um, so I just encourage you, as, as, we, as we are in this season at our church, um, that you would pray about it, pray for the church, pray for your staff, pray for your pastors. Um, Thank you for your prayers. In the book of Exodus, I've been reading in Exodus, and there's a place where they're about to build the tabernacle, and there's stuff that they need, and they need a lot of it. And God has given very specific instructions about what to do and how to do it and all that kind of thing. And the scripture says in a couple of places in Exodus how that they ask people that would be of a willing heart. They ask people that, that if they would be like-minded, that they would give. 
And it says that the people came and came, and they came every morning to the point that the guys that were working and the women that were working on the tabernacle had to say, we have enough. You have to stop. Now, I'm not trying to say we're at that point, <laughs> but because <laughs> I know somebody will probably listen to this at some point. Anyway, um, so I don't want that to be a matter for SPRC with me. Just kidding. But, I mean, imagine that you give so much that people have to say, okay, we're good. And that's how it was when they were building the tabernacle, the place that they would see where the presence of God would be. The bottom line is, and Sarah alluded to to this as she was talking to the kids about what we receive and that type of thing. You know, and, and whether it's on the internet, which of course we can trust completely, or whether it's on TV or whatever, you know, they are telling you what will meet your deepest need, right? If you just get this, you're set. And yet, if you know Jesus, if you love him, you have everything. You have everything. So Advent, next week will be the beginning of Advent. And while it is the time that we celebrate Jesus coming to the earth, the anticipation, uh, how the Jewish people were preparing for, you know, in Isaiah it says, the people living and walking in darkness have seen a great light, you know, and all of that. And they had tremendous darkness in those days, and that just wasn't the energy bill. But it was just the lives that they had lived while they were in, before they were sent into Um, uh, to Babylon and the different things that happened to them. And then they came back and there were still problems. And Isaiah is saying, those that have walked in darkness have seen a great light. And oh my goodness, while certainly in this season and Advent is the beginning of of the church year for us, So this Sunday is the last day of the church year and then next Sunday beginning Advent. And certainly we remember when he came. And we anticipate that for four weeks as we'll have the Advent wreath and and the different things that we will talk about in those days. But it's also about his second coming. He will come back. And so we remember when he came and we prepare our hearts for that, for celebrating his birth at Christmas. But we also remember that he will come again. He came as a baby for the cross. There is no other reason. I was one time with a pastor's wife, certainly not here, but I was one time with a pastor's wife who was saying that she really didn't like Christmas because poor baby Jesus, he had to come, you know, and he was going to die on a cross, and that just made her heart so sad. Well, here's my newsflash. That was the whole point. I mean, we needed a Savior, right? I mean... I was kind of like, have you been to seminary? Probably not. Um, Or in a Bible study or anything like that. It was kind of like, that is the point. I don't think we have any understanding at all of what he went through. There is no way we can understand it or comprehend it. There is no movie graphic enough. Isaiah says he was beaten beyond recognition. for us so that we could have a relationship with God so that we could know a loving father so that we could know the power of the Holy Spirit and so this day as we are looking to Thanksgiving how we celebrate Thanksgiving on Thursday 
as I was praying about this, I just kept getting the word gratitude. And I know that's not a newsflash. I know thirsty is Thanksgiving. You know, it's not like something deep or powerful. Um, But I think it's a good reminder of how important it is to say thank you. That we say thank you to God. Salvation is a gift. You can absolutely say to God, go jump. Or any words of your choice. You can absolutely make that decision. I would not recommend it, but you absolutely get to choose. Receiving the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift to us. There are gifts. Now, I realize there may be some of you in the room that have already wrapped presents and all that kind of thing. And for those of you that have, I stand in awe. But, you know, literally, I mean, it's kind of like, really? Um, I know a woman that by October, she is done. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, by October, I've not even begun. Um, I think it's important to remember, you know, sometimes you see it as turkey day and all that stuff, or it's football day, and I grew up with two brothers, and I assure you, I had to totally understand all of that to survive, but how about a day to really, as you begin it, to thank God, to maybe remember those that have ministered to you, maybe in your childhood, or or maybe when you were young, maybe last week. I know a pastor that said he, he started on Thanksgiving morning um, calling people, about three or four people, just to say thank you for, for what you mean to me. And he said the years that he did that, the day was amazing. And yet there would be years sometimes that he would forget or the, t- you know, the TV would be on or something would happen and he would forget to do it. And he'd say the difference was staggering. So I just encourage you, to take the time to give thanks to God, to those that have ministered to you. I encourage you to, to just say thank you to the people that are in your life and pray over them. Pray over your kids and grandkids. I, used, I was the children's pastor at Tyler Street, uh, United Methodist Church, for a number of years, and I was over the nursery too, which was especially fun. And I mean, it was fine, but it's just, oh my gosh, you know. And I would, I would go through the rooms and I would pray over the kids and I would say, thank you, Jesus, for Sarah. Thank you, Jesus, for Rachel, who did bite me at one point in time. Not kidding. But uh, you have to move fast with some of those kids. So, but just say, rather than you were such a pretty girl, to say, thank you, Jesus, for that kid, it ministers to their spirit. And so, and if there's a person that you need to look in the eye and just say thank you to, I encourage you to do that. Maybe you're supposed to write someone a note or text them or call them. For those that have had loss this year, holidays are not easy. So I just encourage you to think about it. I I encourage you to have a practical plan of what you're going to do and how you're going to pray. It's really a big deal. In preparing for this sermon... um, I kept getting a thought, and I didn't kind of like it because I wasn't sure how it was going to work, but I kept, it just kept coming to me. So I do not know exactly why I'm telling this story. So I'm not apologizing ahead of time, but I'm just saying I have struggled with it. And it's not anything juicy. I mean, you're not, you know, we're not going there. But I, wanna, I feel like I'm supposed to tell, talk to you about two of my great aunts who um, 
there's a picture that we've had in our family, and it's of my mother's family. My mother was about 14 years old when the picture was taken, and it was taken in Ferris, Texas. I used, as a kid, I always thought this house was huge, and when I've gone back to it now, it's kind of like, you know, it's certainly isn't huge. I mean, but it's fine, but as a little kid, so this is my mother's family, and my mother is uh, seated the second from the left. I'm going to mess up here. My mother's on this side. How about that? The only one still alive is the little girl in the middle. That's my aunt who lives in Denver, and she's like four years old. And so my great aunts and my grandmother here and great aunts and uncles and all that kind of stuff, two of those men served in World War I, and they were ambulance drivers in France. And they came back never the same. And now we know it's post-traumatic, but they saw the worst of the worst. And certainly on Veterans Day, we honor the veterans. And we remember those that have lost their lives in service to this country, but for those also who served and have to endure the trauma of what they saw in whatever war they were in. You know, it's an ongoing thing. So just kind of a few notes among us, among friends. Uh, The patriarch, my great-grandfather, is seated here. And he was mad at my great cousin who's in the white sweater standing because he thought it was not quite appropriate, you know, for 1930, whatever. And so he wasn't happy with, I don't remember her name, sorry. It's been a long time. Um, But, and then my Aunt Lita, who is standing over here, um, she was mad at her son, who is right underneath the patriarch, kind of. And you can tell he's fired up for the picture, right? You think your kids give... I mean, he is just giving... When we had this picture made, you know, the guy that was doing it, who was a, you know, bona fide hippie, but he, you know, he, he was like, okay, she's mad at him. And I was like, you're right. I mean, you're good. So this this was my mother's family um, at in Ferris, Texas, and amazing people. They helped found the Presbyterian Church there, uh, loved the Lord and all of that. Two of the aunts, my great aunts, were Aunt Lita and Aunt Pug. I don't remember Aunt Pug's real name, but she, she tolerated the name Pug because her name, her name was so bad. Sorry, just saying. But, um, but, and also said, I think she was quite short and uh, I think had a pug nose. I don't know. I don't see it there. Anyway, so Aunt Lita and Aunt Pug. And Aunt Pug... Um, was pretty stern. Can you, can you see it? And, um, and as she got older, she was married to a doctor who did very well. And as she got older and he died, uh, her daughter was taking care of her, her daughter and, um, and her husband. And she just got to the point where she felt like she was supposed to go to bed. Now, there was nothing wrong with her, but she just decided to go to bed. And she made them serve her. And had 24-hour nurses come in, even though nothing was wrong. And you want to know why? Well, she was burning up her money. Which is pretty, uh, right? The time came, and they moved her into their bedroom. They moved her into the master bedroom of their house and took care of her for years. And she could walk, but she refused to. When the time came that she realized, oh, I'm kind of being whatever, you know, you can insert the word. But, you know, when the time came that she decided to get up out of bed, she couldn't. Because her muscles had so atrophied, she couldn't get out of bed. When Aunt Pug died, my great aunt, um, 
there were less than 10 people at her service, including my family and her daughter and husband and a granddaughter who was grown and two caregivers. Aunt Lita, who is over here, was very, very active in a Baptist church in Ferris. I mean, Ferris is so little, there's not like duplicate, you know, whatever. So she was very active in the Baptist church. She played the piano, um, and Aunt Lita lived to be 103. And Aunt Lita was the type of person that she just poured into people. She j- it didn't matter if you were young or old or whatever. Now, she could be um, pretty straight-talking, too. I mean, I received a couple of those. I know it's hard to believe. But, you know, she, she, just, she just poured into people. And she became uh, so elderly. Aunt Lita's the one that somebody was stealing the Dallas Morning News when it was delivered to her front porch. And she watched for, she watched for the kid, saw him do it, and chased him down and got him. <laughs> so just saying you don't mess with Aunt Lita, okay, in the Dallas Morning News. Okay, so the time came um, when she was 99 years old. She died at 103. When she was 99 years old, she was saying to her sisters who were gathered around, she said, oh, when I get old, I sure hope I don't get Alzheimer's. She's 99, okay? That's how she saw life. She'd walk around holding a cane because she promised her daughter she would carry a cane, and that's what she was doing. Okay, so the day came with Aunt Lita that she fell and broke her hip. She was like 101, fell and broke her hip. And so she went, and her, her daughter, she had like five kids, and her daughter took care of her. And every night, as her daughter would put her to bed in her home, she would say, thank you so much for taking care of me. I thank God for you for taking care of me. I know it's not easy. That was my Aunt Lita. And the day came, and, it, and she recovered from the hip and all that kind of thing. And the day came that she said to her daughter, she said, I love you so much, you have been so good to me, but I'd like to go back and live by myself. Now, you want to talk about independence? You know, 102. Um, and she went back, she said, I love what you have done for me, but you just don't quite cook oatmeal the way I like it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So Aunt Lita went back to live by herself, in the booming metropolis of Ferris, Texas, and then at about, I think she was 103, she fell again and broke the other hip. And after that, went to be the Lord fairly quickly. Aunt Lita was the one that when it was Mother's Day at the Little Baptist Church, where she played the piano forever and she was very good at it, um, on Mother's Day she wouldn't go because they'd give flowers to the oldest one. I'm not always sure what the significance, you know, an endurance test. But she wouldn't go so somebody else could get the flowers. Um, nothing wrong with her. That little Baptist church, my brother preached her funeral. The church was full. She had outlived all of her peers, all of her friends, all of her family. And the church was packed with over 150 people because she had touched their lives. And I want to be like that. I want to say thank you to people when they have helped me. I'm grateful for the time I had to take care of my mother, and she always said thank you. Because you know what? Not everybody says thank you. And when you're a caregiver and taking care of people, while it's not easy, it is a lot easier when people say thank you. It's my prayer for all of us that we remember to say thank you, whether it's to our kids or whatever relationships we have, that we remember to say thank you. You've been a blessing to my life. 
for First Methodist Carrollton for this church. This church has been such a blessing to the community, but we have more to go. And that's part of the whole stewardship thing, is there's still stuff to do in this community. There are still neighbors to reach. There are still people that need the Lord's touch. So my prayer for all of us this week and in the weeks to come and as we enter the season of Advent and look forward to Christmas, we totally get the amazing love of God. We totally get that if we know him, that's everything. And that all that we have is from him. My prayer for all of us is that we could really understand how much God loves us. I've, I've met with a lot of people across the years, and, and they can believe God's love in their head, but sometimes it's hard for them to receive it in their hearts. Oh, my goodness, church. Jesus went to the cross so we could say thank you. He rose from the dead. He didn't stay on that cross. So as you have this week, whether you are looking forward to it or whether, quite frankly, you're kind of dreading it, My prayer is we would all remember to say thank you to God, to each other. My prayer is we would remember to pray for people that this is a hard time for them. My prayer for all of us is that we could be his vessels. And as we give, he gives back. We don't give to get, but we give to be a blessing You know what it's like when somebody has blessed you or encouraged you or touched your life? It's a big deal. And maybe it was at a time where you really needed something and they had no clue. They were just trying to be obedient. And certainly not talking about financial things. I mean, that can be very minor compared to encouragement or hope. My daughter this week was at a a conference N.T. Wright was having at Highland Park United Methodist Church. And he was talking about how hope is not necessarily an emotion like we, you know, might have. Or it's not about almost like anticipation. Hope is like, and I'm probably butchering this, Lauren. But hope is like something you develop. That we know Jesus came and he was here for us. And our hope is in him. Our hope is in the resurrection. Our hope is in that he is with us. Oh my goodness. Regardless of what news you may get this week, our hope does not change. And whether it's a good week or whether it's not an easy week, he is still our hope. As, as we uh, sing this next song, the last song, um, if you would like to come and pray, that would be great. If you would like to make a decision uh, to accept Jesus as your Savior, that would be fine. If you'd like to join the church... That would be fine. But my prayer for all of us, and I'm just going to pray. Is that okay? Let's just pray. Oh, God, we thank you, and we honor you. And we thank you for the opportunities to give. And, Lord, may we just be vessels of hope and encouragement and love to the places where you have put us. Oh, Lord, we love you, and we thank you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.